0: Today, one of the subjects that came up for me was shyness. And uh, I I don't know how many people, you know, feel that they've had something going on in their life where that might be, you know, that might be relevant for them. Um, But certainly I I remember, it's funny because if you'd asked anybody um, who knew me as a child, if I was a shy child, I would, you know, they would have just said, of course not. You know, they would have sort of said, you know, he's the most sociable child we've ever met. And I I certainly, I was always very keen to talk to adults. I really enjoyed that. But um, as a, you know, with my my peers, is that the right word? You know, with other children, um, I found it really sort of very difficult. I I used to, I remember my mum taking me to, (laughs) it was the 1960s, a kind of a dance class uh, where everybody was kind of um, self-expressing themselves and things like that. So you get the kind of picture. It wasn't just your average kind of like dance class. It was a bit more interesting than that. Uh, as so many things were in the 1960s. And I remember literally, you know, when you look at those sort of um, cartoons with Tom and Jerry or or, or The Simpsons or something, and they're trying to push someone through the door, and they've got both hands and both feet wedged against the outside of the door, sort of pushing, trying to get them in through it. That's how it was for me. You know, I used to, the thought behind going to to that dance class, but also the thought behind going to something like a party or, a, 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 you know, a gathering of any sort, was exactly that. It was a real fight, a real battle to get me through the door. And of course, as soon as I got through the door, all of those things just disappeared like a sort of chimera, uh, uh, um, a, uh, um, a mirage just kind of disappearing. But the actual anticipation of it was so strong for me that it used to really kind of mar everything. And so I would regularly sort of say, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to that, I don't want to go to that. And it was only... Because my mum was um, someone who also recognised that, that she was someone who would just say, come on now, you know, as you do with children, come on now, just go for the first 10 minutes. And if you're not enjoying it, we can always take you home. I'll wait kind of thing. You know, and she'd wait for two minutes and be gone. But by then I'd forgotten she even existed. So, you know, that's how it always works with kids. Yeah, so there was this kind of um, uh, uh, deep understanding that she had that that was one of her patterns as well. And that, um, no doubt, uh, on some level, and I'll take a little side loop, as anybody who's been on this call has heard me say a thousand times, you know, uh, there's always little side loops going on. Um, A little side loop about, uh, it's interesting for me to have read an article recently that shows that DNA isn't actually... Uh, They're they're looking at DNA and realizing that DNA is actually less and less relevant in our actual final kind of makeup of who we are and who we become. And it's so much more, you know, it used to be 50-50. Well, it used to be entirely down to genetics. And then people started talking about epigenetics. And epigenetics basically is your environment. And then people used to say, well, it's definitely epigenetics. It's definitely DNA, blah, blah, and the, the battle went on back and forth. And eventually, you know, we came to the conclusion that it was probably 50% DNA, 50% uh, um, your environment. But actually, that's shifting even further now. We're beginning to find that actually, when you look at something like um, <clears throat> DNA, that actually, it's really just a kind of like a, a vast sort of scrambled um potentiality I suppose is the best way to look at it and that there are so many other factors that actually govern who we become and so it was interesting when I was talking to a colleague of mine Dr Rosie who some of you guys may know and uh, she was saying there's the DNA story but as far as she was concerned there are family stories as well I said to her, what do you mean by that and she said well stories are carried through a family that you know don't necessarily express themselves in your DNA and so we kind of you know dug through that for a little while. And um, and I was trying to to uh, equate it to to Qigong. And in Qigong, we have this whole idea of qi field theory of a kind of like, um, we may get onto it later, but the, the, the model that basically works is um, what we call qi space and information. And qi in space is kind of being and non-being, if you like, which is sort of you know the duality as we sort of hear about in Buddhism and things like that. And the information layer, it, you could equate it on its most simple form to God, I suppose. So we'd have that. So sort of, you know, chi space, and information, and how the three of those interact together. Uh, and I was sort of saying to, her, well, yeah, we believe in this kind of idea, information layer, and it's you know something that's very common in um, uh, something that's very common in quantum physics these days. We see that information is is the uh, the kind of the um, how best to express that in in uh scientific terms it takes an observer to be there to change an experiment and so we're getting these kind of ideas of this is how um our universe evolves using our information to make things happen and so when they you know all sort of the funky western kind of like spirituality things say you know you're the creator of your reality absolutely true you really are because it takes your intention to interact with the chi of the universe Uh, to make things occur. Yeah, so we have this idea that uh, information is coming to the forefront now. We're becoming, you know, we've talked for the last 20 or 30 years of being an information age, but we haven't really understood what that term means in in terms of ourselves. Well, that's hot. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we have the uh, idea that um, uh, DNA is not... It's you know it's interesting because in the sort of the um, uh, the genome project they they classed an awful lot of DNA as being junk DNA you know I mean that's typical human folly to turn around and say well that's just junk it doesn't do anything at all that's because you haven't got anything to measure it with. That's because everything we do in Western science is based on a measurement. If you can't measure it, then it's just not true. That's why, as far as Western science is concerned, chi doesn't even exist because they haven't got anything fine enough to measure it with. Well, just to point out that the finest measurement tool in the entire universe is here, the human body. <laughs> not, not just me, the human body. You know, We all have this extraordinary measurement tool. We can all feel chi, we all understand these things at a very, very sort of deep level uh, or don't understand them at a very deep level is probably the truth of it. But actually, you know, it takes um, uh, it, But science, obviously, on that basis, you know, can't measure it, can't possibly work. And so, yeah, we have this ridiculous dichotomy where we have these two systems running. One of them is science and it thinks that it's got all the information one of them is Qigong, which I think has an awful lot more information, but we can't measure it. So it can't be true. No. So anyway, yeah. So we have this uh, idea that uh, that a vast majority of our, our DNA is just junk. And so, yes, this um, uh, research work I was looking into was basically suggesting that actually the way we've decided, the kind of the computer based background that we've decided to write, to read DNA on is not actually relevant at all. And so we look at this DNA and we just go, well, that must do this, that must do that. And then we look at it and go, "Hmm, but why doesn't this particular bit do this this time? You know, and the answer to that is because this time the environment is different. This time, at some sort of quantum level, there are differences that you have never been able to manage and it'll probably take you another... To measure, it'll probably take you another hundred years to understand how to measure it. If if what you need is some mechanical device to do it, however, you know the DNA. So DNA, and to say that you're kind of ruled by your DNA is is utter nonsense these days. We're realizing that the junk around all of this is the science, not the DNA. The DNA is perfect and it's working very well, but it's working at a a, a subatomic level that you know way beyond atomics you know level um that we have no possible way of measuring and just because we can't measure it it's written off by the west Uh, uh, and in fact the truth is we're really now beginning to discover that actually there's far far more to it so we look back to dr rosie and her family's stories we look back to dr pang and his kind of information story and that what we start to see is that um uh, there is a layer way beyond current understandings that is actually what's sort of driving us. And so, yeah, so um, uh, I'm going to have to try and find a way to loop back to me at the party, you know, why I was kind of so freaked out. Anyway, let's just hold that DNA story there, the information layer story there for a moment. So, um, okay, now let's just look at the family story a bit. Um, It was interesting because Dr. Rosie was sort of saying that, you know, people uh, were thinking they were going to become ill um, because uh, their parents or their grandparents or you know, successive generations had become ill from the same thing. But it didn't necessarily express it in their genes. And so we look at also the next side loop. It's becoming to look like a sort of a, uh, a child's daisy, you know, one of those flowers. So little side loops all the way around the actual core in the middle. That's a bit like Taoism. The thing that can't be spoken about. <laughs> what you get is a thousand views, but you never actually get the real core. Let's hope that what we do is we get to the core today at some stage. But um, where did that other loop go to? Yes, okay. So uh, that was talking about
1: um, uh, the the doctor. Oh, his name will come back probably as
0: soon as I hang up the call. His name will come back. It may come back soon, but uh, a doctor that Rosie has worked with uh, quite a bit. And one of his key studies was to take it was it wasn't a huge study, but it was a uh, I think it was like a hundred patients, and basically what he did was to split them into three groups. One group, as per usual, did nothing at all, so it was a proper trial, um, where there's a control group, control group, and then after that, um, there was a, <clears throat> a group who. Uh, I can't do his um, study any justice at all, but the essence of it was that there was a group who were asked to do 30 minutes of meditation a day, 30 minutes of walking a day, 30
1: minutes of um, uh, Qigong or yoga or something like that. No. 30 minutes of exercise a day, 30 minutes of meditation a day, and they were to
0: make some fundamental changes to their diet. So it's you know just cut out sugar or something like that. Let's keep it simple Uh, for and all of it for thirty days. And um, Dr. Carol Sakura, Dr. Carol Sakura, ran this test. What he did was he took a a snapshot of people's DNA and uh, um, and 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 got something like you know three hundred and fifty markers or something like that. And then they did the 30-day trial. There was obviously a group who didn't. There was a group who did a very small amount of something. And there was a group who did the 30 minutes of everything. And he found that in the group who had uh, done nothing, virtually nothing had changed, unsurprisingly. And the group who'd done all the sort of the the small interventions, tiny change, the big interventions, he showed this amazing um, shot. And, you know, it's not, I'm not someone who can read DNA photographs that's for sure, you know, but you could just by glancing at these two side by side you know and, and saying instinctively which one looks better to you, everybody chose the after rather than the before, and what had happened was that you know they'd marked um something like the um he'd he'd shown that two hundred and forty genetic markers had upgraded, and a further thirty genetic markers had downgraded, so a total of 270 different genetic markers and i think the implication was that the ones that had upgraded themselves had been you know were were definitely assumed as an improvement and the ones that had downgraded themselves were definitely seen as an improvement as well you know there were no bad things about it but they were just showing that in one month you know 270 different genetic markers could be completely changed just by tiny interventions 30 minutes walking a day that kind of thing you know and so um to say that you're bound by genetics was just a, is just a complete load of nonsense, really. And just to say that you've got a whole load of DNA, which is junk, is a total nonsense as well. And so, yeah, Rosie was saying that there is something that she sees in, you know, stories that are told between families that um, are carried through. Oh, your great aunt died of that. Your mother died of that. You know, your 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 sister died of it. And then that just, you know, makes people think, well, L, I'm the target. You know, it's coming for me as well which is absolutely not the case. I think that everybody can change their genetic structure just like that, you know, just with a simple mindset can change your genetic structure. Genetics, unfortunately, are not actually the great holy grail. Although, to be fair, as with, you know, normal Western science, We've spent about a trillion dollars on it, which, you know, could that have been spent on hospitals rather? I'm not going to say anything about that. But, you know, it's the kind of the thing is that, you know, it's kept an awful lot of scientists in their jobs. And actually, it's a bit like sort of unearthing a telephone directory. You know, it's kind of, oh, well, there we are. There are the numbers. There are the names. But uh, what are we going to do with it now? And um, and so, um, yeah, Rosie was saying that these stories get carried through the family. And I was looking at what level to get carried on. And uh, for me, it's certainly chi, chi- information, sorry, uh, information that carries it. And this information, uh, I think, is part of our universal structure. So you might want to call information God, you might want to call information the field of, you know, all there is, whatever it might be. This information exists. And I think that there are many ways for us to contact that information. And I think that's part and parcel of what we do in Qigong, is to try and recall the information that we've had from the past, to recall the original blueprint, if you like, uh, to to repair our bodies. And so we'll do a bit of that later on. We're going to do that in our simple exercise called La Chi. All right, so how does this have any bearing on my original um, story? You know, I'm a shy person. Yeah, so um, as I say, nobody would have kind of believed the fact that I was a shy person at all. That wasn't their kind of take on me. But I had this definite sort of worry. And so um, I've been looking at it for various different reasons. And I thought to myself, yeah. um, And so a bit of the digging that I've done took me into social anxiety disorder. And that's maybe something that you you guys have heard of before. And I realised that that, you know, is what we used to call crippling shyness. Uh, And and, uh, it's now got its own term, social anxiety disorder. Uh, Um. Social anxiety, it's SAD. No, that's probably sunshine affected disorder, or any number. Uh, the standard American diet. There's lots of acronyms with SAD, but you know, it's it's around social anxiety disorder. I think. Um, so I forgot the wrong term, and you're a psychologist. Please forgive me. Um, but uh, I realised that I wasn't suffering from that because when you listen to people talking about that crippling shyness. It was, you know, something that really deeply affects your life on some levels that you're completely unable to to break through and and you know do anything if you like in your life, and that wasn't what I was suffering from. So I was very pleased to to not put that badge onto it. Um, and so I started doing a little bit of digging around to sort of see, uh, uh, uh you know, what other people had written about it. And so as as you guys often know, um, you, you know, I sometimes sort of dig out articles and have a little. What I tend to do is I tend to write articles when I've sort of thought about it and spoken about it, but also I read other people's articles about it. And so I've clipped out a couple of pieces from things that other people have written. And it was just sort of really interesting little things that I looked at and I thought, hmm, interesting. And so just forgive me while I, I go and have a look at these two little other articles. This piece that I snipped out um, uh, from one author says, nobody says, hey, I know that you may not have a lot of confidence But that means you, like so many, you have so many other awesome traits. Nobody helps you to see that. Actually, being introverted comes with many perks, like creativity, reliability, commitment. I could go on. How? So how do we get through it? By showing up for five minutes, then ten minutes, then eventually an hour. Make an effort to ask people questions when it feels overwhelming especially when it feels overwhelming, by realising that nobody's looking that closely at my crimson cheeks, by smiling and making eye contact, by viewing things as opportunities rather than obstacles. And well, that's great. You know, it's lovely to see that the two sides of it, the person to say, you know, even though you might not be feeling full of confidence, we'll talk about confidence in a minute, you have other lovely things going on for you, and of course, it played beautifully to my ego when it said creativity, reliability, commitment, things like that. And I kind of went, "Ooh, I like that, you know, something, a little badge that I could wear today. Another little article, another piece, um, and then it finished off by saying, by trying, by always trying. Another um, author wrote, we tell ourselves stories based on our earliest memories. OK, so that's something, you know, I always go on about stories that we say we're shy unconfident, introverted. Only you can decide whether you'll allow these stories to keep defining you or not. I'm still in many ways an introvert. I need time alone and lots of it. I rarely drink as I hate the lack of control. Interesting point. And honestly, I think a small part of me will forever dread social events. But The point is I show up anyway. I show up. uh, Insecurity and introvertedness and all. And I use my voice. This confidence thing, it's like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. So I picked out of there, as, as you noticed, lots of things that uh, that um, rang a bell. There was an interesting comment there that one of the authors made. I rarely drink as I hate the lack of control. So that's a, a really interesting uh, little nugget there. And then, um, you know, the other sort of things like um, unconfident, uh, unconfident and lack loss of confidence, that seems to come through these stories of shyness all the time. So it's all about confidence. And as one of the authors read there, said there, it's like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. Um, I'm just going to pick out a few more things. I never, another author, I never felt comfortable in large groups of people because I don't know why, but I'm sure it's due to some combination of childhood trauma, bullying, and genetics. Well, you know what I think about the genetics side of it. Besides, people can be unpredictable, which is always a little intimidating and probably plays into it as well. People can be unpredictable. Again, unpredict- that statement of unpredictability is that person saying, I can't control other people. Okay, so just hold that one as well. Shyness manifests itself as an extreme self consciousness about one's own behaviour, but the good news is most people. Likely aren't even noticing your actions and behaviors. Other people can't read your mind and they're not feeling your feelings. You're probably not nearly as awkward as you think you are. Shy people take heart in this and know that you're not alone. With a little bit of preparation before events and knowledge, these facts may uh, make you feel a bit more at ease. Okay, so. Um let's just take that as a, a, a little aside uh, for those authors. Now I want to go slightly more specific and, and some notes that I picked up from one of my teachers when I was in China uh, back in 2013, a teacher called Teacher Shi. And I haven't really um, edited this, so I'm just going to get, go through it exactly as it is. So he says, how can we deal with these old habits? If you're a very external person, you have to train yourself to spend more time inside Okay, so for all of you guys who work with me, I think that's the, my watchword. You know, that's what I say to you all the time. You have to train yourself to spend more times inside. He says, if my habit is always to gossip about others, when I realise it, I should start to control it. I should try to listen more. The opposite would be if you realise that you're too introverted. I'm shy. I don't like to talk. Then try to open your mouth communicate more, just to break the old habits, both inward and outward facing characters. If you don't know how to observe, then both of these types of characters can be just as problematic. If we observe our consciousness, can see who we really are, extroverted or introverted, then we can change this habit. Then we can become flexible, and your life becomes flexible too. So if you can accept all these theories can be hard or soft, round or square, then you'll start to become flexible. The fixed self starts to change. Patterns change. If you achieve this level, then when others say something good or bad about you, you just accept it and remain peaceful. When you do something and get good or bad results, doesn't matter. Just stay calm. This already shows a solid foundation. So I thought that was very beautifully put by Teacher Xi. It's um, it, it in it. There's a sort of a nugget of Zheneng Qigong really. Uh, and then <clears throat> my research work took me to have a little look at um, where these things might reflect uh, as far as um, Chinese medicine is concerned. And interestingly enough. Uh, it comes to the heart. And the heart is all about feeling a sense of joy and love, uh, ensuring propriety um, and interacting appropriately with others at the right time, behaving correctly in social situations. The heart allows you to connect with others and have a heart-to-heart conversation with people. So disharmonies of the heart are always um, uh, suggested in Chinese medicine. And they show themselves in social situations the ability to be able to have relationships with other people. At the extreme end of the scale, people might mutter to themselves. Oh dear, that's bad news, isn't it? Uh, I'll have to have a look at that habit. <clears throat> I'm very glad I've got a cat that I can talk to. Uh, people might appear crazy. Um, uh, more commonly, symptoms include anxiety, depression, social anxiety, i.e. worry that you might not act correctly in front of others an awkwardness, flightiness, restlessness, difficulty expressing oneself, lack of warmth in connecting with people, shyness, as this conversation started off with, being withdrawn. uh, And then um, people find it hard to open themselves to relationships. They get hurt easily. Uh, Insomnia, heart palpitations, easy blushing and things like that um okay so those are the kind of uh the, the real sort of key aspects of it but there's also as as with everything in chinese medicine there's also a slice of kidney involved in it kidney chi and that's kidneys all around uh fear um and um dread i suppose and uh yes yeah, so and and well yeah fear and dread so it depends how far that um Uh, those heart symptoms if you like have gone have they gone right into the dread zone you know uh, or, or or not and if they are then it's impinging on your kidney energy as well as just being a kind of a heart thing so that's the kind of um uh the 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 chinese medicine look at where the actual problems lie but actually i think the one thing that comes through this so regularly comes back to childhood and sorry to always seem to be coming back to childhood, but it just does seem. And so even one of our authors said, you know, they said, well, I definitely think it's DNA, but they think I'm sure it's due to some combination of childhood trauma and bullying. And then uh, the other aspect I just wanted to, to draw from that was the control story. So we have this idea of people being bullied, and we have this idea of the control aspect, that uh, people um, uh, like to have, and just you've you've heard me say it a million times. But at some stage, um, I was talking to my Chinese teachers, and I was saying, "What? Why do people want to control? Why do they want to control?" And at that stage, I think that you know I was working with someone who had a control relationship problem. Maybe I had the same myself, and I was just kind of saying, "You know, why? What is this control all about?" my teacher sat there for a little while and they just said one word. He just said, insecurity. I thought about that and I thought, wow. And I thought, yeah, if you are a really insecure person, then you just want to have your world unflinching, unchanging. You want to have everything in place. That author who said, I don't like to drink because I don't like the loss of control. Well, yeah, I mean, the truth of the matter is that there is
1: nothing that you can control except yourself. And that's one of the harshest lessons to learn in life. To think, as I always say, to think that I could control any one of you guys is a, a total fallacy,
0: you know. It's just a nonsense. I can now barely control myself. You know, I'm sort of getting the hang of that slowly. To think that I could have control over my wife, my children, <coughs> excuse me, is, is almost impossible. You know, it's ridiculous. And... Sometimes we spend so much of our lives trying to exert that control because why for what? Because we feel that if things spin out of control, then our lives are going to be um you know um a disaster whatever, and uh, interestingly enough, um, I happened to be watching rewatching Apocalypse Now last night. an extraordinarily violent film uh, and uh, uh, an extraordinary sort of shocking expose of the Vietnam War. But I was kind of brought round to the uh, whole story of, um, oh my goodness, sorry, everybody's been writing here and I've just been (laughs) clamouring away. So Alan says he empathises with this feeling, yeah. Okay, and says that, yeah, you understand that. Sarah also found it very difficult to speak, childhood trauma. And then Alan says tongue connected to heart, perfect observation, very good. And Sahara saying bullying. Yeah, so echoing those kind of things that I've been talking about here. Sorry, I wasn't watching the chat. You must have felt unheard, but hopefully not. Alan, absolutely true. And that's why um, people who have stutters, the thing you you work with in Chinese medicine is the heart for a stutter as well, I I believe. And Penny can probably tell us if that's true, being an expert acupuncturist. But yeah, I I think that um, certainly from my medical qigong, one of the key things, heart and tongue are connected to each other. And it's interesting. I think that actually the the, the the muscle that controls the tongue isn't anchored to anything except down into the heart. There's some crazy fact like that. And you think, "Whoa, really, you know, most things is going kind to of cling on to bones and stuff like that. But apparently the heart not. So um, uh, uh, um, it's not completely free floating in your head quite clearly. <laughs> but, you know, it's principal connection, I think, is down to the heart. Yeah, so um, so often you know, the ability to speak is obviously, so in Chinese medicine, you know, people who speak very quietly or shout an awful lot, you know, we tend to look at the heart as being something to do with that as well. Um, and and then that spins off into our kind of like, you know, shy people or extroverted people. And that is also all bound up in the heart in Chinese medicine as well. And by the way, if you identify as being shy or you identify as being loud, that doesn't mean you're about to have a heart attack, you know, so Chinese medicine is completely different on those levels to kind of Western medicine. It's definitely a good um Ooh Blimey. <laughs> That's very interesting. Penny says there are a lot of useful acupuncture points under the tongue, but there are not a lot of takers in the West. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. Yes, please put a needle up under my tongue. Why not? Um, yeah, so uh uh the, you know, if you identify with those things, uh, it doesn't mean you're on the verge of a heart attack or anything like that. You know, it's you know it's 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 about energy medicine. It's not about sort of Western medicine. Uh however, if you worry that you're about to have a heart attack, please see a physician. <laughs> Better put one of those sort of disclaimers in that everybody seems to put in all over the
1: place. Um uh, Yeah, OK, great. <laughs> Sorry, Alan's talking about heart and
0: tongue still. Um, yeah, so where are we at in this whole sort of bizarre diatribe? Um, we're talking about uh, confidence. OK, so um, why don't you have confidence? What's the bottom line to your confidence? Where does it come from? Um, for me, I think probably my mother wasn't a confident person. And I think also um, uh, my father was a very understated kind of character. You know, you would say that he was dry. His wit was very dry. He was a very sort of, you know, um, quiet man uh, who was a very intellectual character, but he wasn't someone who put himself out there. And I know that he had to, you know, push himself to to socialise with people. It wasn't his default setting at all. And so for me, that's, I think, you know, learned habits. You pick up things about your parents at some level that, you know, that's way beyond um,
1: uh, the, you know, the 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 spoken and way beyond the kind of you know the the mental i'm not quite
0: sure you know what i mean it's at a a level much deeper and so yeah we're uh, i think you know looking at my parents it was inevitable that would probably happen to me as a sort of a picked up picked up habit um not wanting to socialize you know they would never have said don't socialize because they knew it was the right thing to do but they were very aware of the fact that they were probably exactly the self-same people themselves and so, yeah, that became my thing. That is the lack of confidence at some deep level. Uh, you know my story; I've told you, and I'm um, no doubt I'll refer back to it at some stage again. So, if you haven't heard my story, don't panic. But the bottom line is that uh, I was adopted at a very young age. So I spent a few weeks uh, without my birth mother before my wonderful parents picked me up. And so there was a, you know, a, a huge hole in my childhood there, which seems to have had echoes that I'm I work with every day. But, um, uh, and I, I suspect, you know, if I ever find some, you know, flaw in my personality, it's very easy for me just to go, must have been that, you know, uh, without really, you know, anyway, I'd look into it. I always look into it. Always look into things is my advice to you. Yeah, so um, here we have uh, a possible route, you know, for me. Uh, but uh, this person, and, and certainly Sahara was mentioning as well, bullying. Uh, and then, um, so, so, you know, parental patterns, bullying, and these are kind of, uh, and why do people bully? Because they feel insecure as well. And it's the same story. I think that, you you know, you don't feel secure about yourself enough, but also I think people bully because they've been deeply hurt by their brother's family environment, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. And so we're talking about so much of the sort of the environment that you grow up with the first seven years, the formative time in your life that, um, where things you know, spin out of control for you and then you spend the rest of your life trying to gain control over them again and sometimes never managing. So the truth of the matter is let go is the first thing. And I always say to you when I'm talking about healing, I always say, let go of the old stories, let go of the old patterns. You don't have to hold them anymore. I know it's just about as useful as saying, don't be afraid. You know? <laughs> right. Okay. How do I do that? So that's why we have sort of a practical solution, which is using our LACHI tool to uh, to help sort of you know that to to develop and and change, and um, to change the way we think about it. But also, hopefully, the idea of just you know talking to you about these things maybe just loosens some of the roots somewhere along the way. You know, the the whole sort of story is you know you're not necessarily to blame for any of this stuff. You know, you can blame your parents. Um, you know I've got three children so I'm sure they're all blaming me uh, and I constantly say to my children my children no I'm really sorry I'm sure I've you know f word you are up and they go what dad you know give it up <laughs> so I sort of try and take on as much guilt as I can and allow them to blame me And they don't seem to want to get on that Give them a few years I'm sure they'll get there um uh, just
1: checking on my children are on the school <laughs> um Oh, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, echoing that again. So, um, control, lack of control, shyness. I think that's a sort of a pattern there. I think that's interesting to
0: note. I was just looking at uh, some of, uh, I don't know if you've come across a guy called Dr. Alan Watkins. He's an amazing guy. Um, he w- used to be part of the heart math story, and, and now he's got his own um, consciousness coherence uh, um Company where he, he coaches people on performance, and uh, I was just looking at a graph that he was actually drawing. His graph had uh, kind of performance at the top, and underneath it, it had physicality, and underneath it, it had uh, feelings, and underneath it, it had emotions, and underneath it, it had the sort of chemical structure of your body. And he was looking at this, and he was basically saying that you need to get all of these levels to be firing you to get this kind of performance thing. And this was about sort of you know business coaching, effectively. But he was looking at the sort of the structure. And he was basically, his structure showed um, at the bottom, the kind of the chemical composition of our bodies. Essentially, uh, that if you're putting the right chemicals into your body, you're going to get the right reactions out of your body. Is a sort of a fundamental. Um, And essentially, that's obviously about, you know, nutrition and things like that. Um, But also, the next layer up was emotions. And as he was sort of saying, emotion is just E, energy, motion, We've seen that before with that little idea that it's just your energy in motion in your body. As that energy moves through, it creates feelings in your body. And so your feelings essentially are just a representation of the chemical structure of your body. And um, if you can set all of those right and then on top of that, you can build the correct physical platform, then what happens is that you get good performance. Okay, so we have it slightly different in, in Qigong. Qigong is a physical exercise and it works on the physical body. And if you can start to work and fix your physical body, then the other things lap along behind that. So his starting point. uh, Okay, now actually, the more I look at that little model, the more I think that uh, we approach it from different directions in Qigong, not just his kind of one way up. We uh, go from the top and the bottom. So Dr. Pang has a story that he tells people. So if you guys are new to his name, Qigong, founded by a guy called Dr. Pang, um, who was born, how oh, old Dr. Pang? He's about 80 now, I think. Uh, and uh, when he was, you know, sort of five years old, he became a martial artist, he became a Tai Chi champion, he became a, a Western medicine doctor, then he studied Eastern medicine. Uh, so he did, you know, f- five years as a Western, become a Western doctor, five years to become an um, Eastern doctor. Uh, And then after that, he studied Taoism, Buddhism, Confucianism. He's a very wise old chap. Um, uh, I suspect he's probably an enlightened being by now. Um, uh, And on top of that, he also studied Qigong from 18 different lineages, 19 lineages from their grandmasters. So he has become the uber collection of all things Chinese, in my opinion. Uh, His story that he says is... um, Inside your body, you have the most complex chemical factory on Earth. There is nothing to rival this. Every single moment you're alive, you're churning out—is it two hundred thousand different chemical signatures every split second? Your body's turning out these two hundred thousand chemical signatures. He says, "You know, this is the most complex chemical factory on Earth." If you go to your doctors and say, "I've got a headache," you know they don't even say. They don't even say, well, this is a headache pill for a male. This is a headache pill for a female. We're just doing headache pills. You know, it's not even. We haven't even got that far with basic stuff like that. And you know, he's saying two hundred thousand chemicals per millisecond. Uh, and so, you know, to think that you can take off the pill, off 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 the shelf pills that are going to be exactly what you need is a bit daft, really. Certainly, they're headed in the right direction. You know, there are some great chemical advancements, and I wouldn't um, decry that. You know, certainly emergency medicine, short-term medicine, they tend to be great. But chronic illness, we don't really have answers for. Qigong, we do have answers for chronic, chronic illness. In fact, I would go as far as to say Qigong is the answer to chronic illness. However, you'd have to make your own mind up about that. Okay, so yeah, this extraordinarily uh, extraordinary complex chemical factory, his bottom line is, are you in control of it or not? because if you're in control of it then your body is making the perfect chemical set if there are some little processes that are just quietly running on their own that your subconscious has started then you're not in control of it and if at deep subconscious levels what you're telling yourself is i'm not worthy i'm not worthy then that is a chemical signature in your body so you have to you know dig deep enough into the story to find out you know what is driving you and as i always say Look into that first seven years of your life. Sure, as we go along, relationships can hit us, you know, but I would would suggest that the kind of relationships we choose come from the kind of person we are, the kind of person we've been built. So if you find that you're always struggling with a relationship problem of some sort, you know, perhaps start looking at why that happens and where that seed comes from. I'm not just
1: going to blame your mum or your dad, but, you know, something in your childhood. Okay, so are you running your chemical factory to the best of its possible ability? Are you
0: bothering to look at the roots of your problems? Are you just one of life's victims? Well, shit just happens to me all the time. It's got nothing to do with me. Sorry to tell you. I'm afraid to say it is. I'm afraid to say that you are the creator of your universe. The Stories you tell yourself create the things that happen to you. So I'm afraid that it's not just a random universe that's unkind and uncaring. Universe is just the universe. It's how you end up interacting with the universe that makes the difference. That's what really is the key. So if you interact with the universe in a positive way, you're going to create positive outcomes. If you interact with the universe in a negative way, same thing's going to happen. It's going to bring you You know, life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I hate it, but, you know, it does actually work. It's a good phrase. Um, You know, don't accept the sourness of things. And so it's interesting. Uh, Again, I was looking at uh, Alan... I wish I could, I wish I had a whiteboard in the background. Unfortunately, all I've got in the background is a load of junk. But, um, you know, he, he, draw, he draws a lovely axis and uh, from the top to the bottom of his axis, he's got a very high heart rate up at the top of 140 beats per minute. And down at the bottom, he's got a very low of about 50 beats per minute. And he says up at the top is adrenaline and at the bottom is relaxation. That is um, ACH, acetyl, acetyl, acetyl. Um, Choline, choline, anyway, probably no. And then uh, he's got another axis that runs across it. He says, Positive nature of your um, self is DHEA, uh, dichoronic, you know, the one. Uh, and that's it. that's what they sort of call in America the kind of um, the fountain of youth, uh, DHEA. You know, you'll find it sort of turning up in all sorts of supplements these days. It's supposed to keep you young and keep you positive and all this sort of stuff.
1: And the DHEA, um, uh, Lovely, thank you. I'll go to that Sarah in a second.
0: Yeah, so the DHEA um, is is the positive hormone. It's a positive, um, uh, yeah, it's a positive hormone effectively. And it's balanced out on the other side with cortisol, which is a very negative uh, hormone. So he basically sort of says, you know, on this kind of axis, where are you? And uh, if you're constantly sort of going to work and you're constantly sort of talking about bad things, and you're constantly feeling that, you know, um, life is bad, you're moving yourself into the cortisol direction. And if you're also, you know, anxious about your job, you're then moving yourself up into this top quadrant, which is where kind of anxiety, anger, frustration and fear all live. And, you know, to, 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 to bring your heart rate down, but still stay in negativity, brings you down into the sector, which has got such things as apathy and boredom, and detachment and indifference in it. So just by saying, you know, just meditate and, and you know breathe deeply is not right. It's not. It's not enough. It just takes you from being sort of angry, you know, in in the top quadrant to being sort of you know apathy in the bottom quadrant. It hasn't moved you across into happy. So you require. So it requires um, a positivity in your life to move yourself across to the other side. And so when you get to the positive upper quadrant, where the heart rate is high. And the DHEA is flowing. You're in the areas where you get into passion. And we know that passion is the big thing. It's where, you know, a passion for your life, a passion for your work. And that's where you also get sort of determination and focus from. And then um, when you come into the calmer side of that, that's when you get sort of equanimity and um, curiosity and contentment. And those are the side of things where you want to be. And so what he often talks about is a nice, regular, rhythmic, calming, breathing practice, which brings the heart rate down. But also it's about positive thought and positive thinking. And so hopefully the idea is and that is basically where we find the zone is in this lovely area where we have both DHE flowing positivity uh, and uh, a slow or a, a nice balanced heart rate. So just to pick up on comments, um, Sahara was saying, uh, blame just feeds the seed. It's about accepting, reframing the situation. So you get good teachings from every experience. Uh, bad becomes a seed of good. Um, a, a seed of good wisdom or information, exactly. It's about reframing every time, isn't it? And then Carol says, racist, homophobic, sexist. Um, so we can all have an impact on the world. Uh, has an impact that shapes us, we co-create, exactly. And so it's that whole, uh, it is about that, the, the story that you're putting out into the world is one thing, but the, uh, and that comes looping back round to the oldest story, listen inside, listen to what you're saying, observe yourself. Are you expressing views that are no longer yours? Are you expressing views that you don't, and, and again, as I uh, say, do not believe me. I am the last person you should believe. It's really, really important that what you decide to do is to research this information yourself. You know. Um. Okay, hang on. The universe creates us. This, as you can see, is where you live. Your social structure severely marginalises you. Racist homophobic
1: sectors. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yes. Oh, sorry, I missed the context. Let me just reread that then, and anybody can pop up the conversation. Um, Yeah, so okay, so uh, if you want to read Carol's comment as well, I
0: think. what you're saying is the universe also creates us. I think that um, uh, I, actually I don't particularly totally agree with that. I think that we are the the universe is just so. Okay, l- let me let me exa- put into into context uh, what I mean by that. Um, what I mean by that is that from the qigong perspective, our universe is just seen as qi in space. Okay, so if you look at what what is called Dr. Pang's Hunyuan Entirety Theory, that's his kind of like theory of the entire universe, (laughs) not a small thing. He basically says that everything in our universe is just made of undifferentiated energy, Hunyuan Qi. It is just, it's neither negative nor positive, and that negative and positive are just judgments that we put on things. So essentially there is this vast source of undifferentiated energy and how we interact with that energy is our choice. We have free will. And it's our intuition, our our um, instinct, our, I always forget the exact word, that, uh, that intent, sorry, it's our intent that creates our experience. And so my feeling is that, uh, and then I would just go take that one lateral step further, which is to say this information that I'm talking about this information of us is essentially what we would all call God uh, probably sorry I don't mean to what I would probably call God Um, in that what I'm saying is that God is inside me I am God God's inside you you're all God so all of us as a whole all of the information of the human race as a whole all of the intention of the human race as a whole is essentially God, as written in the Bible. You know, that kind of idea, that sort of person is made up of all of us. And so the point is that if we take the background as being potentiality, then we are the creators of potentiality. So therefore, I don't think the universe is shaping us. I think that we are shaping the universe constantly. And I think that's the purpose of humanity is to shape the universe, is to experience um, the universe through our uh, own freedom of information. (laughs) Yeah, freedom of information act. uh, Sort of, you know, kind of what I mean. I guess you get what I mean. All experiences from situations shape us. We are the universe. The universe is us. The universe is information. (laughs) So Horace, kind of on the same page there. Yeah, echoing exactly what I'm saying about. So um, uh, hopefully you understand my perspective on that. that, um, uh, And that, and that, that perspective is kind of built... From um, my sort of study of quantum physics and things like that my feeling is that you know we genuinely are the creators of all of this so my feeling from that is that um, that uh, what we are experiencing now is a mirror of who we are there's a very sort of um, standard saying as above so below that's a kind of like a, a, a kind of a mirror image um, in, in Chinese uh, culture, we basically think that what we are mirroring inside us comes to us. So opposed, as opposed to things randomly arriving in our lives, we're attracting them. And so that becomes the trickiest thing in, the, in Britain. I'm not sure where everybody's zooming in from, but it becomes the trickiest thing in Britain to say. And just recently, uh, a year ago, Noel Edmonds, (laughs) how on earth did he pop up in this conversation? Noel Edmonds was completely panned because he basically said people make themselves ill. And the national newspapers, oh, my God, how dare he say that? Unfortunately, I have to agree with Noel Edmonds. There's not much I agree with Noel Edmonds on. In this one case, I agree with him. We do make ourselves ill. Do we have the intention to make ourselves ill? No. Do we make ourselves ill? Yes. So I think that's how it works. I think that unwittingly, the chemical processes that get out of control then make our bodies, make our chemical signature. They create our feelings and our
1: emotions. We become that. And so the only possible root is to work from the top
0: down, is to look at the universe as a whole and allow the universe to pour into your life to kind of like nullify the experiences that you have somehow brought to yourself. Okay, so that's a fairly sort of big set of statements. You know, I'm sorry uh, if if you um, feel that your illness or your unwellness has been vested upon you, I'm afraid I don't agree with that. I basically feel that you have allowed things to open in such a way. Okay, so the other important thing to point out here is that in the first seven years of your life, you're essentially a sponge.
1: You don't have control of the information that's given to you. So those things have been put upon you. The only choice you have to deal with those Okay. Wow. That's
0: a very good question. Yeah. What if you're born with a tumour? That's right. I mean, we always have this question about children. You know, uh, how can a a three-year-old child have leukaemia? You know, it's that kind of thing. It's really sort of um, uh, uh, difficult to, to, you know, to understand why that might be the case. And that takes another whole loop out through sort of possibly through karma, through uh, soul journeys and things like that. And so one aspect of that um might be if you believe in um soul evolution as an idea, that what we do here in this kind of 3D existence is that we run through a scenario, it's like a virtual game, if you like, we run through a scenario, and then we either succeed or we don't succeed, and then we move on to the back into you know the universe as it were, back into the information field, and that we reassess how we did. And so if you've ever read any of the work, unfortunately, I always call him David Irving. um, But I've no idea if that's his name at all. And I think I I always worry because there's also some sort of guy who writes terrible kind of Nazi thrillers who might also be called David Irving. And I don't want you to read him at all. That is bad information. Um, But he's a guy um, who uh, spent 30 years of his life regressing people. And he wrote down... Um, the commonalities of uh, these regression stories, uh, and he's published two or three books now. And what he basically is dealing with what's called life between life. And so, um, interestingly, Alan's said there: if you're born with a tumor, is that a pro- isn't that processes that happen in the womb? And I suspect that yeah, we're talking about this family information layer. Uh, I think that you know, certainly um, parents come. You know, when you're born, um, there is uh, this. You've already had nine formative months whereby huge amounts of toxicity, it's possible to pour huge amounts of toxicity into a baby, environmental toxicity, as well as as Penny says. It's possible to pour those into a baby so that the baby already arrives screwed up, you know, by the parents. (laughs) Dear oh dear, parents again. But unfortunately, we haven't got anything else to blame. But also, on a soul level, I think there's this, um, that if you're um, working your way, if you believe that souls are working their way through an evolution, that maybe you come to this life to test out a theory, what's it like to to be, um, you know, a, a child with a three-year-old tumour, short, dramatic, difficult life, perhaps helps your soul evolution on further, that would be one possible suggestion so the next time you come to this life, you know, perhaps you get a slightly easier ride, but perhaps you're choosing difficult things for yourself to experience, you know, each time. And the interesting thing about children who arrive here and dying young is that they very often have a massive ripple effect on the people who are alive, left alive afterwards. And so you could perhaps, you know, bless those children and say, thank you so much for the extraordinary lessons you give you know, they check people start incredible foundations off just because a child has died, just because you know, and because a child has died. Um, uh, uh, you know, then then their entire life's work is dedicated to helping other children. So perhaps you become this extraordinary love bomb dropped on the world just for three years of life, uh, and then the 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 rest of you know the uh, influence that you've had in those three short years ripples out across the entire you know world. So, you know, let's not. Um, uh, I think those things are probably well beyond our, our understanding. But also, I think, yeah, I think, you know, both Penny and, and Alan have, have highlighted as well that, you know, that those can possibly just be things that happen in utero, that uh, you end up sort of picking up signals from your family, signals from the world, signals that, that you know, that end up making you like that. Who knows what the
1: soul purpose is? Perhaps it's as I've described, perhaps it's something way beyond my ken. Um yeah, so yeah, so I was talking about soul journey as well. Any therapist, both yeah, personal an experience and what happened
0: with your own daughter. Conception of birth. So, yeah, so we have the, the difference of sides to it, the Chinese medicine side of it with environmental toxicity and so forth. But we also have the potential sort of soul journey involved. All of those things are our um, possibilities. Uh, and as I say, I don't
1: think we've probably got all the pictures at all, um, but perhaps that does kind of answer some of those questions. But we've gone off on a, a interesting set of divergences today. But
0: what we need to do. Is we need to actually um, do some healing on ourselves. So, if what we're saying is that at some kind of deep root level, there's some kind of um, influences, let's say, that have got into our lives. Perhaps they've come as some sort of soul story from some uh, other life, if we believe that. Perhaps they've happened to us in utero. We've uh, ended up picking up the vibes from our parents. You know, picking up the the anxieties of of the world. Um, picking up, you know, um, I don't know, 1960s, you know, it's, I don't know what what was going on there. There was was that Hong Kong flu. There was some sort of you know terrible flu going epidemic going on then. Perhaps you know you pick up that when you're born. 1970s, the bomb, you know. Like yeah, sorry, my history is not my social history is not that good, but perhaps you're picking up the kind of like you know those fears. In the womb, and they've led you to some sort of pattern. And as you remember from God knows an hour ago now, I was talking about being shy at parties. You know, perhaps that was picked up in the womb. Who knows? Uh, and so, yeah, whatever it is, whatever pattern you've come to this life with, you then um, have the opportunity to just say, "Well, that shit is terrible, and my life is dreadful." And sorry, I'm swearing. Uh, you know, and um, uh, and uh, um, Although I do realise this is not the BBC, so I hope you don't mind me swearing a little bit. And, you know, perhaps your whole life has just been, that's it. You know, I'm just going to give up because it's so terrible. The world, the universe has visited these terrible things upon me. You know, I'm just unlucky. My parents always used to tell me I'm lucky and I'm not worthy. And I believe that. Or alternatively, it's time to start changing that record and looking for a new story. And so what I'm here to do today is to tell you that you can heal anything right now, just like that. Anything can change if you decide to change it. So we're going to use a tool, la qi, uh, Chinese um, for, um, I think it's Chinese for stretching qi, la qi. I should know that because I'm now studying Chinese, but obviously I haven't got to that word yet. Um, I think it means stretching or opening, um, moving qi, essentially. And it's the simplest exercise Dr. Pang teaches. And so go back to that little story beforehand. He basically says you have the most complex chemical factory on Earth in your body, making you custom made hormones and chemicals all day, every day, every millisecond. Are you in control of that process or not? Because if you're not in control of it, it's going to make you pouring cheap, perhaps, Alan. Yeah, I'll get my my dictionary out in a minute. Um, If you're not in control of the process, then um, it's going to make you sick. And so the question is, what's making you sick? Which part of the process is not making you happy, successful, well, or is making you chronically unwell? Only you can work that out. Sorry, I can't work that out for you right here. But what we can do is to say, let go of those problems and let them dissolve. So, for instance, we're talking. You you mentioned um, there, Bhavinda. You mentioned tumor. So, if we're talking about tumor, we could. That tends to be the the tip of the iceberg. It tends to be the the final result. So, if we're working with something like a tumor, we can just go for the obvious, and we can just think right. Tumor completely dissolves. Let go of the tumour, let it out into the universe. Imagine every single little particle, every single cell, every single atom of the tumour dissolving out into the background chi field. Make it bigger and bigger and bigger. So it just dissolves out, gone, 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 out into the universe. And just think what a mighty huge place our universe is. It can take all of that energy, gone, let it go. Park it at the four corners of the universe so you no longer have that problem. And then what are we going to bring back? We're going to bring back super amazing, wonderful new chi, fill that area of the body. Okay, so there's just a little refinement to make with that. If you're thinking tumour, 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 my tumour, you're actually sending power to it. So better than that, think, okay, so um, you you know, you have to make a plan, just one thought. So my tumour is on my kneecap, (laughs) okay, Um, You know, we don't regularly get that, so that's why I'm using that as a, so we're not thinking too hard about these things. My tumours on my kneecap. All right, let's think, dissolve the whole of the knee out into the universe and all of the structures around the knee, dissolve them out into the universe, let it all go and then bring back perfect working knee. Okay, so that's a much better way to kind of visualise your illness. So what you're saying is, I am, um, let's use my example, shy. I'm always shy. I'm going to dissolve shyness. Think about the shyness and dissolve it. What you're actually doing is giving shyness power. So emotional problems. Um, My relationship is terrible. I have such a terrible relationship. God, it's bad. Hey, what are you doing except giving the relationship power? So what you need to do is you need to think about things in much more open and general terms. So if you can be very specific and say, My liver, I'm going to dissolve my liver and bring back a perfect working liver. Great, that's good. Um, But perhaps what needs to be done is to look at the patterns behind. So if you don't know what the patterns are, you can think to yourself, gosh, I always get angry. Perhaps that's part of it. So, you know, in Chinese medicine, we know anger and liver are connected. But if you don't know that, don't worry. Just think, you know, why am I always Uh, grumpy? Why am I always upset with that person? Why am I always ending up shouting at people? Why am I, you know, whatever the pattern is, um, you start to think to yourself, well, I could really let go of that pattern. Perhaps it's connected to the overall problems I have in my life. Let's work with a pattern instead. So now we're going deeper inside. What we're going to dissolve is that pattern. Let it go. Let those standard set of reactions, let those trigger points, just dissolve. Let them go. What are we going to bring back? something positive, whatever you choose. Fill your life with positive chi. You don't even have to know what that means. Just imagine all this fabulous new energy pouring inside.
1: Okay, so take a little think about what it is you want to work with today. It might be something deeply practical. It might be
0: your bank balance. It might be the result of... Okay, so why would your bank balance be empty? Perhaps that's because you've always been someone who's difficult to work with perhaps that's because you've always been someone who's insecure perhaps that's because you had problems in your childhood okay you see how we go through a little sort of root dig you know so you might want to work with the surface problem which might be a bank balance but you might wonder why what's
1: going on the question would be why would i be holding back my um abundance that's the word we're looking for why am i holding back abundance in life unfortunately,
0: you know, just by um, doing the sort of lovely American thing, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to have a huge Cadillac, you know, I'm afraid that's not it. We're going to have to look at the root here. Just saying the positive thing is not quite the same. Really allowing your body to open, really allowing the experiences to open, really allowing yourself to let go. And the deepest, deepest root is where we really start looking and pouring fresh chi back in. So chi Energy is an easy way of saying it. Unfortunately, energy doesn't really give it its full. But if you don't really understand chi as a concept, just imagine the energy of the universe pouring into your life. We do a very simple exercise. We say kai, which is a Chinese word for open. Chinese word for close. means so much more than that. It means dissolve out into the universe, become vast, let go. It means pour amazing things back into your life. So Kai and Her. So all you do is sit there quietly. I uh the visualization that goes along with it, dissolve, let go, her uh, amazing chi into your. So we're gonna use Dr. Pang's Kai her today. Dr. Pang just says Kai and Her in the background. We say Kai and Her if we want to. Essentially, um yeah, I'll, I'll just add a few extra little visualizations. One of the things I've done recently, which I quite enjoyed, um, when you do open and close, it's open out into the universe and then draw the energy back inside. Open, close. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start to say at some stage, open, just imagine yourself staying there. Open further, stay there. Open further. So don't completely close every time. We're going to riff Lachi. we're going to just open and open and open and open and open and open and become truly universal. And then after we become truly universal, we can close down a bit after that. So we'll look out for that exciting development in Lachi. (laughs) And otherwise, let's just go. So I say let's just go. I haven't got the track ready. Let's have a quick
1: dig into my phone, see if I can find Dr. Pang. There we are. So, sit comfortably, you can close your eyes, you can hum along with Dr. Pang, you can do whatever you like. I'll just jump right into the middle of it, see where he is. Kai is open. Where's close. Okay, so let's just begin then. Open and I feel that like right great cheek tingling in your body. Dissolving into Chi, uh, emotional patterns dissolving into Chi, Uh, uh, deep at the root,
0: Fixed ideas of you dissolve.
1: Uh, just allow a great chi to flow in its place. Uh, And love flows into your body. Uh, uh, let it penetrate to the root of. Uh. So, let's start to open them uh, from the deepest level of you, gently open uh, just kind of pins you in place. I uh, expand a little bit further uh, just holds you open.
0: Uh, Really feel yourself starting to dissolve.
1: Every cell open. Let's start to develop space in between the cells. Let's view ourselves at an atomic level. Open. uh, Let's view our atoms at a universal level. Uh, Way, way open. Uh, uh, Expand yourself out into the universe. Out, out.
0: Expand yourself beyond our universe. Out, out,
1: out. Uh, In yourself as a truly universal being.
0: A couple of seconds. I'm just going to pause, Doctor. Stay out here. Out.
1: Open. Open. into your life. So these kind of levels you can realize the blueprint of who we truly are. Feel the gentle universe opening. Feel the gentle tide of Qi, being, unbeing. Back into being, you can really feel yourself at a universal level, no longer a tiny 3D story. Was you now, truly deep DNA, DNA level blueprint, a real blueprint. Who you are supposed. This level we understand. God is not some grown with a big white beard. We start to really understand. We are God. God displays this lovely game of hide and seek with us. Believe we're separate. Believe we're cut off. Believe he is it at some Crazy distance from us. Now, when you resolve and realize that you have always been this is the real truth of you. the story you're playing out, a strange 3D simulation. Why not enjoy okay. it? Why not have fun with it? You wanted to play it. I don't make it a great game. Really enjoy it. The deep knowledge that you're God. And the deep knowledge that if you get it wrong, the worst thing that can happen is you'll just return to being God again. You've always known this at some deep level. It's just been obscured from you. You've just been pack. Just being part of the herd. Following along. Following everybody else's story. Now, this truly universal level. You can give yourself permission. Do whatever you want. Give yourself permission. Truly let go of those old stories. Truly let go the things you invited in. You invited them in for a reason, so you could experience them,
0: so you could gain the teaching from these extraordinary things brought into your life.
1: But hey, if you've got the lesson, let them go. You don't need them anymore. The real lesson is that you're God. The real lesson is that your life is filled with love. My universe is filled with love. Why i enjoy it. Why enjoy it at the deepest, deepest level of your life. Why not bring about the perfect blueprint? Why not create the perfect body for you? Why not? Who's stopping you? Nothing can stop you. Old barriers break down. In a moment. They just dissolve like the mirages they truly are. Break down. Break down, break down. Cut through, cut through at the deepest, deepest level. Just realize that you heal at the deepest level. You know what? Heal yourself, heal the world. It's not about healing other people. As I was saying, you can't control anybody else. Heal yourself. You come the ripple. People look at you being God in your human body, they see your divinity. You've embraced You create. Profound changes in them. Why do you think it is that if you sit beside someone like Mother Amma, that people instantly burst into tears, that people instantly heal? They feel the truth of the universe in her soul, in her very being. She's not special. She's just made this realisation. Every one of us find this truth deep inside us. So clear away all of the mist and fog. Let go the old. Be true self now and evermore. You will be your true self. Okay, so we're gonna start out doing our Lachi again. It's gonna sort of slowly bring ourselves back, a kind of universal out there, back into a 3D. Eyes okay, so opening out into the universe.
0: Ah, uh, is starting this positive current of chi to flow towards you.
1: Kai holds you here. Uh, starts to flood your cells with amazing chi. The resources of the universe are at Kai. Uh,
0: the universe floods every cell of your
1: uh, That's God. You, I, I, you're all part of the same process. I, experience yourself as the universe. I, experience yourself in your perfect body. I, universe. Perfect little universe of you imprint the perfect universal blueprint cells. Every atom its right place. Uh, universe. Uh, deep deep healing in your body. Uh, universal energy. Gee uh, pouring deep inside yourself. Uh, universal energy. Deepest of deep, deep healings for you. Universe, Uh, every cell is a microcosm of the beautiful universe. Uh, You, as a perfect healed being. I, uh, everything working well. I, uh, all functions of your body perfect working order. All functions of your body returning to perfect working order. Feel the universe. All functions normal. Uh, All functions normal. functions. Perfect working. Uh, all functions normal. Uh, all functions normal. Let's do two more. Uh, Just a little bit quieter now. Do more. Last two without any sound. Just draw your hands down to your belly. Hands on the belly button and just hold the chi deep inside. Lower down, tian chi is abundant energy in your belly is lower than Tien. Lower down Tien Qi is it.
0: Just imagine all this incredible energy deep inside you, supplying Qi through your whole body, making every system in your body work
1: really well. All the functions of your body in tip-top condition. All the functions in perfect work. All functions normal. All functions. Feel that information. Your body is returned to perfect working order. Sometimes the physical takes a little longer to catch up. Just know you've set off this incredible healing. It is now in motion. Just that. That. In a moment, everything heals. Everything changes. Right here, right now. If it will point in your life. Everything changes. Allow it. Right. Just surrender to the idea. Just surrender to the fear of change. The love of the princess. Let's just turn some circles around the tummy button. It's a good way of gathering ourselves back together.
0: You just circle the hands around the belly button three times. That sort of centers all the chi back in the belly. And then go around the other way. That sort of helps as a signal to your body that we're just sort of coming back into the physicality. That we're just holding all this chi inside. We've just kind of brought ourselves back to ourselves. Just hold your hands on the belly for a few moments. Feel this energy deep in your belly. Take up your spine into your brain, up into your neck, to your shoulders, down your arms, your spine around your ribs,
1: deep down into your tailbone, hips, pelvis, legs. All the way down. Feel your whole body connected with the universe, filled with Qi, functioning perfectly. Blood and Qi flowing well, every system in your body, tip-top condition. More than that, just know you're it. That beautiful spark of God deep inside you. Spend your every day trying to return to that perfect part of you. Trying to uncover millions of patterns you've created to obscure the truth of you. Make that your life's work. Dig. Find out where God really is inside you. Oh, fantastic. Right, well, I think what we need to do is we need to sort of just
0: visualize ourselves in a shield of qi. Always a useful thing to do. Just imagine a beautiful field of energy around you. It's called your Wei Qi layer in Chinese medicine. Just imagine it as a kind of energetic shield around you. Just imagine any nasty viruses or bacteria kind of fizzle up when they come into contact with your energy field. So be your own chi shield today. breathe your coronavirus protection or any other nasties. Just feel that you have
1: the ability to protect yourself at a deep, deep level. Just know that you're deeply safe inside your shield of energy. Being of light, filled with energy. Totally safe. Ah, and then slowly open your eyes, give a big smile on your face,
0: give your body a bit of a stretch.
1: Ooh, then we're gonna go
0: and uh, we say ho-la to finish off. Um, Absolutely no problem at all, that's a great pleasure you guys, I'm here every Wednesday as they say. Um, like the ready break man. Thank you, Sahara. <laughs> OK, so in Chinese, in Zhenang Qigong, we say hao um, la. So hao la means everything is good already. Everything is already fixed. So it's like sort of, you know, you don't have to reject yourself in the future. It's done, people. Already done. So I'm going to undo the mics. We can all say hao la together. I'll put my hands up in the air. And we, oh, we all put our hands up in the air. We count one, two. And then we say "haola." So um, I can unmute you That's on the way. Mute participants. Button that says unmute all. Yeah, so, in theory, everybody's unmuted. Great. So, put your hands up and then we say one, two, ha-la. One, 2 ha-la. One, 2, how-la. One, two Ha-la. Ha-la. I love that it's so fantastically <laughs> <Canot-y>. chaotic. <laughs> Thanks to Zoom for that. Okay, very good to see all you guys. And if you are interested, I'll stick it up on my YouTube tomorrow, or you can pass it around to your friends or whatever. Really good to see you. Uh, class, physical class tomorrow morning, same address, um, nine thirty and six thirty. And then otherwise, uh, perhaps I'll see you next Wednesday. Lovely Thank tomorrow. you
1: very much. See, tomorrow, Leather, see, you, all Bye. Bye. see you
0: tomorrow morning. See you. Bye. Bye
1: everyone.